Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been uh, watching recently. Uh, uh, I'm I'm Terry. I'm that Terry. is, yeah, in fact, your name. My name is Mary Beth. Yeah, I think that's I think so. And this week we are talking a TV catch-up, not 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 the condiment catch-up, but catching up. I know. I was like, <laughs> I said like ketchup because I had that. hot dogs for dinner, and I was thinking about ketchup. <laughs> I had McDonald's for dinner because my stomach is already <laughs> like, fucked. So I'm like, why not? There. So like, let's just keep going. I I appreciate that. Um, t- we're talking TV catch up. Um, a retro kung fu movie, a sumptuous story about <laughs> stories, a fucked up experience, the most awkward home invasion film, and possibly the first meta horror movie of the '90s. Hell yeah! But also, we are now two days into what, Mary Beth? Patreon, it's here. Arms up in the air. Are you, are you a patron yet? Because you should be. You should be. Hopefully, and we're going to tell you why. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we are. God damn it. God damn it. <laughs> so I think marketing. We're, I think we're, <laughs> marketing one hundred and one. Insult and and like insult. Yeah, demean your listeners. <laughs> demean and and antagonize your listeners. Hey, mm-hmm. motherfuckers. Yeah, that's how, I've, that's how I've been told. That's how I've been told to do it. So, <laughs> I mean, there's some PR companies that do that, but anyway, <laughs> if you know, you know. Moving on, we have three <laughs> levels of Patreon that we're we're launching with because, like, a, like we said last week, we're trying to start a little slow um, so that we're not overwhelmed and. Give some options for people to help support us because podcasting is expensive. Podcasting is a time commitment. 
Yeah. We're spending, and now that we're adding more stuff, like we're spending time editing. I'm editing video and audio, and mm. Terry's editing audio, and you know, we love to do it, and we love to do it for you guys. So, some, this is a new phase of supporting us, so we can yeah. keep giving you that good, good content. And people have asked, because like we've been kind of hesitant about it, but then people asked, and they kept asking, and so here we are. Pay up. Here we are. No, I'm kidding, but please. <laughs> <laughs> um, on that note, let's let's walk. Pay up, motherfucker! This is what you're paying for. Let's talk through the tiers, man, of our Patreon. Um, so we have three tiers mm-hmm. of Patreon. Um, our first tier is for one dollar a month, a mere one dollar, a, mere a dollar. third to a quarter to a fifth of a cup of coffee, depending on where and what coffee you're getting. So my favorite comparison of all time, and it's like it's than a cup of coffee. Um, so for the $1 tier, you're going to get our Seltzer for Life video, which we're going to do once a month where we talk about uh, sparkling water for a few minutes via video because that's who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to get some early updates on upcoming interviews and episodes. And mm-hmm. we'll also, you know, source some questions from y'all and have you kind of participate maybe a little bit more in our interviews and get some stuff from y'all to ask our filmmakers and things like that. So it'll be a nice little community for you guys to know ahead of time and send us some questions before we interview our guests yeah and then um our second tier is going to be five dollars so in some places the price of your starbucks coffee right yeah it's definitely so less than my that's less than my coffee is my giant pumpkin cream cold brew the size of my head you know what i really like really like the cold brew nitro it's so good that's my favorite but pumpkin's back anyway So at the $5 tier, we give you the video little cuts that we've been putting up on YouTube. So the video little cuts that we have been doing are now going to be Patreon exclusive. So you got a little taste of what those are. And so now those are going to be moving exclusively to Patreon. And also patrons will get access to live little cuts recordings as well. Yep. We'll let you know when we're going to record and we'll put out the link in on Patreon and you can pop in, watch us live. Um, yeah, and and maybe be part of it, ask questions potentially, and you know, and if you've noticed on the YouTube, our our videos are a little bit longer than what you get in the audio because it's sort of a little bit more unfiltered. <laughs> yeah, I do way less editing uh, for the videos than I do the podcast because it's fun. Because then mm-hmm. when there's like a cat fucking around, it's like, oh, people love that shit. But in that podcast, like the audio, it doesn't make any goddamn sense. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> you can get the sh- more of the shenanigans that go on mm-hmm. uh, behind the scenes with the videos. Exactly. And then we have our $10 tier. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, with the $5 tier, you'll get everything else above that and mm-hmm. the added benefit to the $5. $10, same thing. You get the $5 and $1. $5 and $1 incentives but then you also get our new series uh fresh wounds thank you el uh, uh, at purpurina stitch for this name for our scarred for adult life uh series fresh wounds uh once a month on the first wednesday of the month we're going to be talking about a movie that terrified us as adults so we're starting with terrified um Mm -hmm. which and that episode will come out uh wednesday of next week so that's kind of the lowdown. We have a link to the Patreon in the description of this podcast. If you're watching on, if no, this won't be on YouTube. Is this going to be on YouTube? Are we putting this last? Okay. Yeah. You'll have all that info. Please, please become a patron and consider it. And if you have suggestions for things you'd like to see from us in the future, let us know. And also share it with everybody, with everyone you know. 
Yeah, please. Get, help us get the word out so we can get uh, as many patrons as possible. Appreciate please. it. Um, okay, so before we d- get into like the movies that we're going to talk about, um, I know you both, you and I, you both, you and I both have um, watched a little bit of TV. Um, yes. So I, I really wanted to kind of mention just in passing that I'm watching The Boys season three finally. I'm not going to give any spoilers except to say that Homelander is even more terrifying than ever, I, and it's uh, very. I- it's scary. painful watching him because like he seems to this this season in particular seems to encompass the way things are in the world right now and have been for the last oh, like forever so and it's terrifying <clears throat> to think that there is someone with all this power and there's no one that is able to stand up to him and things are getting a lot it's more hard gray. to watch It is kind of hard to watch. But the one thing I will spoil is that I knew that there is a character called the termite that goes inside a man's penis and explodes him from inside on accident by sneezing. But I was not prepared for the giant screen filling penis head and pisslet that this man crawls into that starts off the season. That was a joy. I was not yeah, ready was for it. I'm I'm glad you didn't know about that one because it's like yeah the the whole thing is gross but like the when you hear about it but like when you experience it it's like oh no this is a whole other like this is even like, oh, weirder. This is, I love it. This is a lot more than I was expecting to see on screen. I was like oh we get we get we have a lot of dicks in this opening moment and then I was like oh and we have a screen filling penis head. Well, and that's why I love this show, too. I haven't finished the season. I think it was just one of those things where it's like, it's all got so goddamn depressing. Mm -hmm. But this show does not pull any punches. Like, I I think I talked about this when I was starting to watch it. But um, this is a superhero show I've always wanted. That is like, no, it's not like, oh, they're the heroes. It's like, no, it's all corrupt and fucked. And they Mm -hmm. all just like have created basically a dictatorship where like you can destroy Mm -hmm. all of humanity and no one can control them. Like, I love I love that. It's so fucked up and gross. And like, they really just continue to outdo themselves every season, every episode. I feel like it's just disgusting. The other show I briefly wanted to talk about because I thought I had talked about it on this show, honestly. And I, I guess I didn't because of like festivals and whatnot. Probably. <laughs> the Bear. Have you watched The Bear? No, and I need to because my fucking parents are chefs. Like it's like it's it's, it's something I would like love to watch, but I've I've my brain has just like I haven't had the capacity, like just uh, mentally. <laughs> Yeah, I get it. it. It is. It is absolutely fantastic. It's it's about a chef from New York that whose brother kills himself and leaves his Chicago beef sandwich shop to Italian him. Italian beef. Yeah. And so he ends up coming back to Chicago and trying to run this sort of failing beef shop um, and dealing with the personalities in the kitchen, dealing with his, mm-hmm. the personalities of his cousin. Um, and also with the new chef that is trying to prove herself. It's mm-hmm. intense. It's like it is probably the most intense 30 minute episode I've, I've seen, like just in general. There's the first episode just throws you into it with the kitchen going and there's like people shouting back and forth. And it's like social anxiety. Terry that doesn't like personal con- con- conflict is like wanting to pull his face off as they're chopping with very sharp knives and just going really fast as they are yelling at each other. And I'm just like, someone is going to lose a finger. Someone's going to lose a finger. Did you ever work at a restaurant? No. Okay. okay. But I've heard people that have and said that it gives them, this, this show gives them PTSD. <laughs> yeah. 
I think that's also one of the reasons why I haven't watched it because I worked in a kitchen for a long time. Like I work, like my parents are chefs, but like I worked in restaurants for yeah. a long time too. In both, like, smaller restaurants and, like, restaurants that are more like the bear, where it's, like, screaming, like, bigger, like, a big line. It's, like, a big, mm-hmm. more of, like, line, line staff and right. stuff like that. But And it all it all builds to episode seven, which is a single take episode. Whoa, shit. It's I didn't one, know that. Yeah, it's a, it's a single shot episode that everything that could go wrong is going wrong. And it's, it's just, like, it's a culmination of all the anxieties and all the conflicts and all the stuff that's been building the entire season explodes in this... 22 minute long take episode that is just fantastic it's fantastic shit okay, okay. I, I honestly i think people should watch the show just to get to that episode because it is anxiety inducing but also like just a masterful shot in a, in a kitchen as things are going to fucking hell <laughs> sick and it's been renewed oh, for stressed, a second I'm season i'm stressed out just thinking about it <laughs> but you've also been watching tv though i have so my i've switched over from uh real housewives to re-watching rupaul's drag race and then catching up on the seasons i haven't watched it's all on paramount plus and all stars and i think all the untucks are also on paramount plus so i'm excited so i'm going back I was really into RuPaul's Drag Race for a while. I stopped. I think I got like kind of annoyed with the fandom a little uh, bit. Makes sense. I mean, it, does, it also doesn't help that like I dove into like the Reddit and like I like went full okay. like not crazy fan who like goes to DragCon and stuff, but like I was in the subreddits. I was like curious about all the tea. I didn't yeah. engage with any of it, but I lurked. But I think I was just like, this is kind of toxic. Like. <laughs> I can't engage if I t- if I engage with this like with a little bit more separation. It's much more fun than like all of the drama because there's so much drama with these oh, queens. Oh, there's so much drama. I just forgot how much I love the show. Like I love drag, and I'm on this. The le- I'm watching season nine right now. I just started it with oh, Shay wow, okay. and Peppermint. I started with I started rewatching with season five a couple weeks right. ago. I didn't watch the first four seasons. I sorry, the first four seasons. Just the fifth season is one of my favorites, and then I just went from there. Basically, I've been playing Stardew Valley at night and watching RuPaul's Drag Race as my way to like decompress, and it's incredible. Ten out of ten. I forgot how much I loved Aja the Queen from oh. season nine, and Pheromone just. That's incredible, and obviously, like Sasha Valor, Shea Coulee. It's a, it's an amazing, it's an amazing season. Like Shea Coulee is ridiculous, um, in a good way. I mean yeah, that. I love, and Shea. so is Sasha. But yeah, that's what that has been like. My chicken soup for the sad girl soul for the past couple of weeks, um, which has been nice, and it's like a nice change of pace from the Real Housewives. It's like everyone's a bitchy, but like they know they're bitchy. Like they're all shady, but they're not trying to lie about it. Right, <laughs> right. Like, and like they're turning looks and it's just like, it's just cool. It's like, it's watching people make art. It's cool. I'll say that one of the things that kind of started to get on my nerves a little bit in like the season seven to nine ish area is um or people started to try and a little bit beyond that try to like come up with catchphrases and that became like a big meme thing and also people started to not be as like conniving with each other i guess because of social media presence and so you didn't get such great moments as like relaska talks earlier in this in the in this in the series so like that was one thing that let I Let me I show you my cuckoo. Lindsay Lee Fontaine's let me show you my cuckoo. It's just like, I need it to, like, <laughs> it's like so annoying. And 
I can, you can tell who's trying to get the shady edit sometimes too. I know that they sometimes they like do people dirty with the edits. I mm-hmm. don't know a lot about that drama. Like if I, I don't know, but like it's also sometimes seems like queens are trying to be the mean like the mean girls. Yeah, especially with like in season eight with like or season seven. Which one was Violet Chachki on? Oh, I don't even season remember. Seven. I think that was season seven because Bob the drag queen just won season eight. Um, <laughs> but like the Violet Chachki season with like her and Pearl and Miss Fame, like all like I the very pretty that. bitchy so, girls. I was like, they're all just like really annoying, and like it's been fun to get back into that. And then once I hit season ten, I'll be in uncharted territory, and I will be trying not to Google spoilers. I probably will. That's that is like a lot of what I have been watching. Um, I think especially after festivals, I'm like I just want to turn off my brain. No I movies, just trash. <laughs> I get it. I want to hear more about this sumptuous story about stories. Okay, so I saw Three Thousand Years of Longing. I thought that that was what this was about. Okay, and I've seen some interesting takes about this film about how it wasn't as like I guess maybe swoon worthy. Or emotionally romantic, as people were expecting. Yeah, I've seen a couple takes like that. But I also don't think that's what the movie's trying to do. Okay. So, so this this is a George Miller's latest film, starring Tilda Swinton's Alethea and Idris Elba as the Jinn. She is like a very intelligent professor that is very well read. She speed reads like her finger just goes down the pages. She's like she's very smart, loves stories, loves collecting stories, kind of feels a little adrift in this world where like science is explaining everything. She loves the idea of myth and the the power that stories can give and give ideas of creation, give ideas of, of what's happening in the world that has been increasingly more science demystified. And so she finds this this bottle, she's cleaning it with her electric toothbrush, and the, the top pops off and the gin comes out, and he kind of tells her stories throughout his three thousand years of of in capture in this in this bottle. They sort of start to fall in love with each other, but it's a cerebral oh, love. Okay. And I think that cerebral love and in, like there's there's it's this isn't like a, he's going to swoop her off her feet and it's going to be, you know, passionate sex and that kind of stuff. It's she finds yeah. someone that loves stories. He loves stories. She loves stories. And they connect on a much more intimate, intelligent, cerebral level. And I think that's hard to show in a movie that is about romance. And so I think that might be kind of why some people oh. might find the the actual romance between the two of them a little cold but I, I i honestly think that this is not the story that he's telling it's about two people that are adrift and stuck in their worlds and find each other oh. and fall in love with each other's intelligence and their ability to tell stories and their love of stories and so it's it's more i think an internal romance than an external one oh, okay yeah i've seen it I've seen a couple of takes talking about how it's like not as sexy as people would have wanted. There's like mm-hmm. no passion in it. So I was it's interesting to hear your thoughts about it where you're like it's a different it's into it's a different kind of intimacy than we're used yeah. to seeing. And it's 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 gorgeously shot. It's just it's a beautiful film. Um I get that some people might have been left cold a little bit because it's not a traditional romance between the two, but okay. I found it so I don't know. There's like a earnestness and like a not to quote the movie, a, a longing in this film that I just, okay. I think really did it for me. And I think, cool. I think time's going to be very kind to this film. I know it kind of flopped in the theaters, but I, I do think time will, will see this for the treasure that I think it, it honestly is. 
fucked up experience. <laughs> so, okay. So I, I watched Todd Salons' movie Happiness for another podcast I host, Watch Once Never Again. And the episode where we talk about this movie is out next week. So you can hear more like two hours of thoughts on this movie if you would like to hear that. But I wanted to talk about it again because this is a movie I haven't been able to think, like stop thinking about since I watched it. Like, because it is so good and so fucked. Um, so Happiness was released in 1998 by the director Todd Salons, who did um, Welcome to the Dollhouse. He's known for being a rather transgressive filmmaker, handling a lot, like doing a lot of work within like taboos and things like that, which he definitely does in Happiness. And Happiness is basically like... It's basically, like, think about, like, American Beauty type and, like, little children type movie where it's, like, not necessarily an anthology, but it feels almost like an anthology because all of these characters, like, Magnolia, too. Okay. Like, characters exist, kind of, you you see their stories and they're all kind of loosely linked together, mm. but mm-hmm. each person kind of has their own, like, arc. And sometimes the other characters will intersect briefly. Okay. Type thing. And this is specifically about, like, suburban life. Suburban life slash, like, growing up and the uh, the dark, fucked up ways that people find ha- or try to find happiness. Have you seen this movie? Mm-mm. Okay. I loved it, and I will never watch it again, I don't think. And, like, that's that's not typically, like, y- y'all at this point know, like, the kind of shit I like. Like, it's hard to shock me, like, totally. Mm-hmm. This one fucked me up. There's a lot of sexual assault and pedophilia. Ooh. In this movie? Oof, yeah. Dylan Baker plays... is Dylan Baker is an incredible actor playing the most disgusting character in this movie. And, like, I was so enthralled with his performance with the way he creates this character. It's just so fucking awful and terrible in terms of, like, what goes on behind closed doors. But it's also, like, the characters are so beautifully realized. It's two and a half hours long, but doesn't feel like two and a half hours, because, like, all of the... Everything that happens, like, feels very purposeful and comes together at the end. It's just, like, what? Like, I watched it... I started watching it at 11.30 p.m., and I ended... I stopped... And it ended for me at 2 a.m. And I was, like, going to fall asleep then, because I was, like, wired thinking about this movie. Because there's so much happening in it so if you like things that kind of challenge you i would recommend it um please look up trigger warnings for it though because like every bad thing that could happen in this movie it's not violent but like it's a lot of implied violence a lot of like very specifically fucked up discussions about bad very bad things happening to people without their consent when i saw you watched it um i went out because i i had heard the nanaean but i had never seen it so i went out to imdb and i was looking at like the the plot um keywords and the tag words and the parental uh area that i always go into uh to see what and i was like oh yeah this has a lot of those any kind of trigger warning is it seems like it's kind of checking them off (laughs) It's an amazing movie. It's just really challenging to watch. It's not for everybody, but I really am glad I watched it. And like, we're doing a Todd Salon series because Dax really likes him, and I've never watched any of his stuff. Uh, and I'm glad I am, but that man is not okay. <laughs> like, good lord. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen any of his movies either. They're, I mean, like they're incredible. They're just, like, deeply uncomfortable to watch. Like, this guy knows how to take awkward situations and make them even more awkward. Like, mm. it's, like, secondhand embarrassment, the movie. 
and all of them, but also with people being terrible human beings, like monsters. So it's a lot. It's not like a fun little walk in the park movies. It's just like, Jesus, you need recover like a recovery period after watching them. But yeah, so that's what I have been doing with my time. Uh, I want to hear about this uh, super incredibly awkward home invasion movie. Well, I know you've seen this one um, and it's it's out as of yesterday when this recording drops. It's on Shudder called Who Invited Them by Duncan Birmingham. Uh, I'm just going to briefly talk about it because you talked about it before. And so uh, but I, I just I finally saw it. I finally had the opportunity to see it because it's so coming to Shudder. And it is a lot of fun. It is about um, a couple that are moving up in their kind of career. And so they buy this house on the on like in the hillside area. And it's next to really wealthy neighbors. And they throw a party so that uh, the man played by Ryan Hansen from uh, Veronica Mars, I believe, is where I've seen him before. Oh, I wondered why he looked familiar. Yeah, he was okay. Dick Casablancas. In, what an uh, incredible name. I know. In um, Veronica Mars. And he wants to peacock to his friends and show off his new digs. And so they throw a party. His wife, played by Melissa Tang, is oh, a little less so into good. it. She's so good in this. She's so fucking good in this movie. She really is. <laughs> and she's not as interested in this behavior. But it's happening while he is toasting, he sees two people that he's doesn't know, and he assumes they're her friends. After the party's over, she assumes that they were his friends, and then they discover that they are still in the house, and what started is like a fun party kind of turns into this awkward situation where they don't seem to want to leave, and they seem to be escalating situations between the two of them by uh, insinuating things or revealing things and it kind of escalates from there in a very kind of darkly comedic uh fashion i would say yes it's got it's weird the twist is wild (laughs) yeah it's it's just it's a lot of fun um I, i i was really surprised by it uh everything that you said before i completely agree with it just it's it's a great time it's an interesting uh inversion of like the home invasion film yeah, I was really into like how it was like they they invaded the home in such a polite way, and it's so sinister, and it's really interesting to see the and to see this like dynamic between couples and how they're all played off of each other. I think it's very fascinating to watch and deeply uncomfortable, deeply mm. uncomfortable. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I, I guess you might be able to compare it tangentially to like funny games but I, I don't think there is like yeah insidious in the beginning as <laughs> like it, there's not as much like implied threats of violence in the very beginning of the film it's, it's just much more, more purposeful violence than random mm-hmm. violence you know what I mean like yeah which is not a bad thing I just no. I think I just I think so many people I've been thinking about this a lot about like home invasion movies and how people are so quick are so like funny games is like the it's home invasion key. movie well it's like the home invasion movie is like well i think i feel like it's one of the first like really popular like fucked up home invasion movies <laughs> maybe i could talk about my asshole on that one like i mean i think it popularized it in the modern audience because I, I i do think there were yeah. some like because like straw dogs from the 70s yeah like there's yeah. some it's just it I like think- 
No, I, I just I think it, it kind of brought it back into the, the masses in terms of yeah. popularity. I think it also introduced the concept of random violence, too. Mm-hmm. Like, random yeah, fucked up true. violence. Because, like, you have Funny Games, the original one came out in, like, 97. Then you have The Strangers, and then the remake, Kaneki's remake of Funny Games, I think, coming out pretty Both close together. Both of which together, we've so on the podcast. <coughs> I made me choke on my own spit. <laughs> Wah. I think a lot of home invasion movies are like unfortunately constantly compared to those movies. Well, and it's like it's hard. You're not gonna beat Haneke. Like it's, but because like he did it in such an original way, it's hard mm-hmm. to like divorce yourself from that that comparison. But I think this movie takes those expectations of a Haneke movie of like of funny games and puts its own spin on it in a more mm-hmm. interest in, in an interesting way that makes it stick out and more than just like oh this is like two weirdos like being out like being creeps and stuff like that so also um a retro kung fu movie really quick i saw miami connection at popcorn frights and i wanted to bring it up because miami connection is uh the most ridiculous movie i've ever seen um it involves ninjas and kung fu and a band that sings about the powers of friendship and taekwondo and they fight drug lord ninjas and it is not a good movie whatsoever, but it is such a good experience to watch with the crowd. It's so funny, like how bad it is. Vinegar Syndrome put it out relatively recently on Blu-ray. Um, and it's, I was going to say this it, cover looks like this belongs to Vinegar Syndrome. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's Vinegar Syndrome. And like I watched it, it was a, a 9 p.m. screening and it was like I saw it in a theater with a bunch of people and there were comedians doing like riff track kind of commentary over it. And like... This is the kind of movie where you want to watch it with your friends and just make make fun of it the whole time. Hell yeah. But it's, like, so weird and, like, wildly entertaining. Like, it's not a good movie, but it's really (laughs) fun to watch. Like, it's a Mm -hmm. fun experience because it goes so balls to the wall in some of the shit it's doing. And it makes zero sense and it's incredible like it's it's amazing yeah it's just like so many choices are made the band loves taekwondo and they sing about taekwondo and friendship and like there's a like there's a korean guy who's a college student but he looks like he's 45 and it doesn't really make much sense all of the guys who live together in the band are constantly shirtless so there's like these weird homoerotic undertones about these dudes constantly like being shirtless together and like hugging and stuff uh it's very I think unintentionally gay in that regard. <laughs> like there's just so much gay hugging. There's a guy there's a guy who constantly gets his nose well, constantly there's two instances where he gets his nose grabbed by someone's foot. Like in like someone grabs his nose in between their toes. And like that's it's just it's all so surreal and bizarre, uh-huh. but it's so fun. It sounds like, like a fever it's, dream. It's, yeah, and it, oh it is. Like I when I saw it, I saw it with a couple people and we were like, did that just happen for real? <laughs> And like, in a good way, but it was just like, yeah. what in the hell? So that I just wanted to shout that out because it, if you've heard of it, like for Vinegar Syndrome and haven't checked it out, I'd highly recommend. And like, watch it with friends. Don't like, you can watch it alone, but like, it's not, you're going to be like, this is so dumb. Like, it's not that kind of movie. Like, you want to be like, like a little bit tipsy, maybe mm-hmm. stoned. Like, you don't want to be sober watching this movie. So that is my recommendation. Like doing that this weekend guys it's a good time (laughs) looks like it's on freebie which used to be imdb tv i guess oh yeah because yeah it's like now it's like amazon it's an amazon service now Mm -hmm. so terry what did we talk about what did we watch for our horror comedy of the week 
Oh my goodness, we brought it into the 90s with this delicious mix of some meta horror, I would say, in a theater called Popcorn, uh, in which a master disguised deranged killer begins killing off the college students who are organizing a horror movie marathon in an abandoned theater. Uh, I saw this movie for the first time. Gosh, I don't remember when it was, 2018, 2017, because Synapse Films put out um, a restoration of it. And I was like, oh, gung ho on. I remember who put out the Synapse, who put out the re- restoration. Yeah, and I was gung ho about collecting. It was like one of the first things that um, that like caught my eye and I bought it because I remember the poster when I was a kid and remembering being kind of creeped out by the poster. And so I bought it, watched it, absolutely fell in love with it. Um, I'm really excited actually to hear what you think about it since this was your first watch. Yeah, so I had like seen it on Shutter. So I knew about it vaguely from Shutter. I mm-hmm. saw the the poster. People have posted about it on Twitter, and I was like, "This poster fucking rules!" Like, mm-hmm. what is this movie? At, at first, I was like, "This is cheese." Like, it's not the acting ain't great. And no. I was like, uh, "Yeah, well, so it's like I, I went through an evolution." I was like, "Okay, so like I see what we're doing here." And then when the viol- like when the kills start. It takes a little bit to get there. I think it's it a little bit slow in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But once it gets there, it's like goes on like full Phantom of the Opera with shock seats. Yes! And it's fucking incredible. Like when this movie hits its stride, it's just like 10 out of 10. Absolutely bonkers. Like the kills are wild. The killer reveal is wild. Like I thought the, they set up this whole thing of what you think is a supernatural slasher. To, I, that's what I got. Like uh-huh. you open with this trippy dream sequence of the guy's like head on a platter. And she, this incredible girl with bangs and like a blunt haircut. I was like, "Bitch, you are my dream." Um, she's a film, her, and she's a filmmaker. And, and her mom she, gives Butch Queen realness. Oh, with her, D. Like, Wallace, my man. Oh, is it, shit! Is that D. Wallace? That's D. Wallace. Holy fuck! I didn't yeah, even that's know D. Wallace. that. Oh my god! I looked god. it up to triple check. Cause like, I think that's oh my D. god, Wallace. it sure is. Oh, that's Love embarrassing. Her. How did I not realize that? Love her haircut in this. Incredible. Like, it's incredible. It is butch realness. It's it's amazing. My biggest thing that makes me laugh about this movie is, like, she's in college. She's a film student. And the film department has no money. They're like, they've cut our funding. I'm, like, relatable because my college's film department just got fucked. So, like, relatable. But then then they have this idea for a fundraiser with this like all night movie marathon which is great but they when they start like the the gimmicks because every there's three movies in this which we'll get to and there's gimmicks for each one and there's a giant mechanical mosquito and they're shocking people in their seats and there's smell of vision like wait i thought you were poor <laughs> like what you guys have pulled off is incredibly impressive uh-huh. but also incredibly intricate like they probably lost I, money on this, let's be honest. Well, and like, granted, the whole thing is packed, but the, you're supposed to, you're raising money for the film department, but how much did you lose, like, making this all up? Mm-hmm. The, this is the logistics, I think, of at the beginning of this movie. I'm like, this is not, once again, with the fucking unrealistic budgetary issues of a broke theater department. Uh-huh. I'm like, broke theater department means you don't even have a place to perform. Like, wh- what? But that bullshit aside, the, they... Oh, I know. There's so many things to say about this movie, Terry. I know, it's so good. I know. 
<laughs> so the movies within the movie, I think, are oh absolutely God. fantastic That'd because be so it's good. like it's they're it, they're knockoffs of William Castle films. Like this idea of like because like the mosquito they're in House on Haunted Hill, he had like a skeleton flying out of across the audience. There was an, uh, a movie where they installed little zappers and you'd get zapped. Um, I believe he actually did a movie that had smell as well. I can't remember. But yeah. like he was the master of gimmicks. These movies all have gimmicks. I think the Mosquito movie is actually a, a lot of fun. I would have liked to have seen that yes. whole movie. Please. And they have this giant mosquito come out that they're flying around the audience. And this is our first kill, too. It's like we've been building up and building up. And I'm like, when's the first kill happening? Like, we <laughs> yeah. don't have like a kill. We don't, well, because we don't have it. Like, most slashers, you have a kill cold. You have a cold open kill. Mm-hmm. We have just a cold open dream, mm-hmm. which is cool. Like, I respect. I respect that in terms of like inverting the expectations, but like you don't get a kill for quite a bit, but the kill is the mosquito malfunctioning and stabbing a man through the chest. And I'm like, Oh, okay, perfect. This is where we're at. Love it. And like, but back to those movies, like they're all, they're all, I had to, I wanted to look this up to make sure they're all made for this movie. Like they're not existing movies. These are all three, four, if you count possessor, which is like the creepy cult movie, they find a creepy cult movie. uh... A Kenneth Anger type movie. Yeah, of like someone with like talking and like blood coming out of their mouth. It's like very conceptual. So mm-hmm. there's four movies within a movie in this in this movie. <laughs> and Scream 2 definitely got inspiration from this, right? Like there's mm-hmm. no way Scream 2 did not pull direct inspiration from popcorn. And so did porno, I would say. I, yeah, I was thinking, I thought about porno, too, because they both have, like, the finding of this weird fucked up movie, and they're mm-hmm. like, eh? But I, like, this is, like, the proto-screen to the proto-meta horror movie, where you have film students setting up a horror movie marathon. They're showing these made-for-the-movie movies, mm-hmm. and people don't understand what's real and what's not mm-hmm. as these kills start happening. And I fucking love that. Like, it's just... I love that this play and it plays with it so much more than Scream too, because the whole mo- almost the entire movie, like the back forty five minutes, are all in a single location in yep. that movie theater. So, and they really use that movie theater to like its full potential in terms mm-hmm. of space and like how they utilize space in that in in that what single location. I think the killer reveal is also fantastic. Because uh, he's a master of disguise, and there's so this the sequence where he has like his face covering his his face, and it's just like his ears are there, and they're just like flopping back and forth as he's talking, and it's it's such a fantastic little like practical effect gag that I just I it works so much for me, and I think it, it I think it it aged has aged re- actually really well for that particular I think. So thing. T- I so too like i was really really impressed with how well all of the practical because it's all practical with his, mm-hmm. like with his makeup and what his face looks like because it's revealed that this killer suffered massive burns in this fire that happened at the theater that we discover our our female protagonist survived because it was a movie cult and her actual mom is feeding her acid <laughs> while they were watching literally it's brought up one time D. Wallace says, Maggie, her sister, was feeding you acid. And I was like, I'm sorry, can we rewind to that? Like, this child was taking acid as a child and watching movies? Like, it was a weird cult situation. Uh And 
I was obsessed with. I was like, I want more of that information. But like, this guy is trying to recreate like the cult ritual. And because he had all of his skin burned off. He was a kid as well at that time. And he was all burned up. And he's like, lost most of the flesh in my body. And he just becomes deliciously unhinged by the uh, by the the reveal of his of his uh, criminality, I would say. <laughs> he is one of my favorite new slasher, like my new favorite he's slasher awesome. villain. <laughs> he's like walking around like he looks like a Cenobite with his flesh, like pulled back with all of these weird staples. The, the fi- he steals people's faces and that makes no sense how it works but like no. again who cares like I don't give a shit like it, it doesn't matter how he does no, it it's it really just doesn't. like I thought about it for two seconds and I was like nah I don't want I don't care <laughs> I don't care he's like flopping his head around with his ears like because again it feels supernatural it's like mm-hmm. oh there is a fucking ghost like there is something weird going on it's like no motherfucker I'm a master of disguise and I'm an occult and then it goes full Phantom of the Opera when he puts the girl uh-huh. in an Iron Maiden in a dress. And I'm like, uh-huh. which, by the way, Scream 2 connection, like the crowd cheering on her death, thinking yes. it's like fake. I, I was like, note. yeah, yes. we're getting we're getting that Scream 2 like connection right there as well. I that finale, though. <laughs> Her mom stuck in like in like uh, the mache, I guess. Like, like, yes, like, like a, a weird like full body cast the gun. Her <laughs> shitty like fuck boy. I was mad at th- I, this. Is the one thing I did not like about this movie. The shitty fuck boy saves the day. Becomes the hero. And, like, yeah. After, but on the like, other side, he gets, his, path- he gets the shit kicked out of him this entire movie, which I I did love. He does. But I still was annoyed that he saved her because yeah. like mm-hmm. she set up as the final girl and like while not I appreciate that not everyone dies in this movie like it's it's got like a relatively low body count for what mm-hmm. it is it feels like but it's still but like I don't know he saves her and it's annoying he's like oh I'm a pretty pathetic hero I'm like shut up <laughs> it's like I don't you fucked around and you found out my man like she didn't want to fuck you and you got all shitty like maybe don't be an asshole but i do appreciate that they did they did punish him for that like they did you know his ass bit his face he's not falling downstairs my my roommate brought up a good thing is like he cannot walk upstairs but he's able to scale this theater and i'm like you're bringing too much logic to this (laughs) yeah again like no logic it's just like you know what's funny though do you know who what? was originally offered to uh, helm this film? Who? Bob Clark. Black Christmas, Bob Clark. Yeah. And he, he passed on it. This would have been a it. much darker, I, this would have been a been. Much darker movie. He, uh, he, he passed on the offer and instead suggested Alan Ormsby, who he collaborated on Death Dream with. And uh, I think he was an uncredited producer on the film instead. But yeah, he was offered it. And he was adamant about not directing another horror film after... Uh, Black Christmas. Wow. Well, I mean, I like the way it turned out. Oh, I, I do it too. would have been cool to be Can you darker. Imagine though. That weird that weird phone call at the beginning is reminiscent of Black Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> the weird prank call. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I this is a movie where it leads into because well, like there's also like all of these original songs about scary movies and a reggae band that I'm like <laughs> this movie knows so much what it is. Mm-hmm. It, and I love that. So like it's a self-aware horror comedy that I think does lean really well into the horror, especially at the end. Like, it's obviously ridiculous and campy, but, like, it, again, it understands that. And it gives us a flamboyant villain who's, like, walking around in a suit and is like, I am the movie director. And I'm like, 
honey, yes, you are. Like, slay. Slay. Um, <laughs> slay. Literally. Um, he's giving. <laughs> but I just... Incredible. I want that poster on my wall immediately. I want a tattoo of that poster on my arm. Maybe oh. that would be so cool on my horror arm. That would be arm. cool. I'm so anyway. glad you liked it, though, because I, I think this movie is a trip. I'm hopefully most people, more people will discover it from Shudder because, like, this is a movie that I would have loved as a kid if I had seen it back when it first came out. I just, I, it's just, it's a lot of fun. It's goofy. It's meta. It's a little smart, I think, in, like, the way it subverts expectations. I and it's a good Halloween cool movie. Mm-hmm. Like if you have Shutter and you're starting to watch your movies for the spooky season, put this on your list. Mm-hmm. And even if you've already seen it, watch it again. Like it's a good, good meta slasher horror comedy for the season. And I think it'd be, I watched it by myself and it was great, but I yeah. think watching it with people would also be fun. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those experiences where you'll enjoy it either way, especially I'd if you're like. I've seen this in a theater. Oh, that'd be so cool. And even more meta if you're watching it in a theater. Um, but yeah, I had so much fun Hell with yeah. this one. Good. Uh, yeah. Um, but then what is next for us for horror commodities? Okay, so next week we are going to watch a movie recommended by Rory Davis from Instagram um, called hey. Nothing But Trouble. Um, directed and co-written by Dan Aykroyd from 1991. Um, I've never seen this one, uh, but he asked us to to talk about it, and so we are. And I'm really excited to watch it. It sounds it sounds a little wild, so I'm I'm looking forward to that. But who are we talking to on Monday, Mary Beth? So on Monday we are chatting with animator Cressa Maeve Beer. She is the creator of the Godzilla short coming out, as well mm-hmm. as ones like Clever Girl, How to Train Your Dinosaur, and Me in the Matrix, incredible stop motion animation. Yeah. And she brought with her the underrated Day of the Dead, which fucks. Yes, it does. Absolutely. And she's, a, she's incredible. Check her out, her animation stuff out. You've probably seen it before. Mm-hmm. A lot of like the, again, stop motion, cute Godzilla stuff. And if you've gone to see um, some big movies like The Matrix or... Uh, um, Jurassic World, the new one in at Alamo, you'll you'll have seen her stuff playing before it. She's awesome. Yeah, she's so cool. So that's our Monday episode. Hell yeah. So listeners, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. Do you have thoughts on what we watched this week? Do you have suggestions for movies to cover or Patreon stuff? Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm a Gailey Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. Please don't forget to review, rate, subscribe, and become a member of our Patreon. Um, so thank you, Eric Power, for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you to everyone for listening. Please stay safe out there. Most importantly, stay creepy and la, 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 la. <laughs> I got nothing. Oh, 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 oh,
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs>